Hello, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I hope you're well. And I really want to encourage you to do what it needs to be there. Yeah. It is a strange uh, time to think about what keeps you going. You know, because, man, you know, sometimes there's these news articles and they make it to the main thing and it just blows your mind. It sounds a little harsh, but at the same time, it's like, what the fuck, right? Like, it just makes you feel that, you know, your life your life isn't um, as shitty as it could be. I, I was, I'll give you an example. There's this lady, apparently, who was uh, in Switzerland, parked her car. I don't know if she parked, parked it, but she kind of put in park. Uh, engine was still running. She got out to get something from her trunk or boot or her dicky, as we Indians like to call it, the dicky. And... Um, <laughs> and but the thing is, she apparently uh, did something wrong because the car rolled back and it ran over her. Now, that's pretty bad. It sucks, right? Like, man, I need to get something out. Oh, shit, my car ran over me. And now someone, of course, is like, is the, was the car smart enough? Did it know how bad she was as a driver? That's why, nah, just the car ran over her. And then apparently, she's down. She's been rolled over. I mean, run over. She's bowled over. And then the car goes back. It hits another car. And fucking car comes back. Runs her over again. Like, dude, that sucks. But here's the thing. She's already like, fuck, this sucks. Twice over, right? And she's like, how much does this car hate me? And then it goes forward, rolls over. It comes, hits the footpath, sidewalk, curb. Comes back and runs over again. Dude, three times. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. I don't know how she is. But I don't know. It's just, it just, it's just, I'm surprised in a country like India, we don't have more crazy shit like this happening. Now, this is Switzerland. There are three people in that whole country. They're probably, you know, uh, more people, more car to people than people to car ratios, and this happens. Ah, you have to, okay, if you're an Indian, wh- whether you're in India or whether you're an Indian abroad, who's like, oh my country, you know, it's amazing. And when you come here, you're like, India, it's it's always. But we have the most crazy situations when it comes to people machine people inanimate object encounters that are just happening right like for instance i remember once i was walking with my mom uh and a pretty dangerous thing to do in india by the way and i think we were on some street it wasn't even a big street it was like a residential street and my mom was of course keeping an eye but at the same time you can't keep an eye glued to you know threats so she just looked away for something and i continued walking maybe three steps ahead and suddenly she turns she's like stop and apparently there was one of these construction trucks lorries reversing with those construction bars you know those rebab whatever not rebab those rods which stick through the foundation and it was just reversing happily and if i had continued walking i would have gone straight into it so these are situations which are quite exciting if you're into that kind of shit but I'm surprised. I mean, I'm sure more shit happens, but yeah, we, sh- we should find a way uh, because public safety, non-existent. We don't have anything, but it somehow works. I don't know why, because I'm glad in some sense that we have horrible roads in Bangalore. We have some expensive cars, but we have horrible roads because I feel, uh, yeah, I mean, I feel really shitty for the two guys on two roads, on two roads, on two two tires, the, the scooters, the motorbikes, because they constantly have to navigate weaving through buses, cars, potholes, and they often skip all of this and go on the footpath, which which apparently is the best route to escape any of these hazards. But having said that, I think it's much safer for the low, for the for the bad surfaces, for the bad roads, for the potholes, because they act as automatic speed reducers. And I don't because I don't trust Indians at high speeds because. 
you know, even the Indian who's at thinking at high speeds, yeah, we're good at, you know, maybe speed, math, speed, chess, whatever the fuck that those new things are. But maybe some Indians are designed for high speed, but like, yeah, very few quick reaction movements. Like we can memorize stuff. We can think, calculate those things quickly. But quick reactions with physical stuff, I don't know. Reaction time is a little thing. So like Indians on the highway, fucking dangerous people, man. We just, I don't know, we, we aren't agile when it comes to maneuvering machines at high speeds i mean I, i'm sure there's some fighter pilot right now with motherfucker who's defending you from the from the from pakistanis yeah there are of course there are there are in every group there are quick reaction but i'm saying as as a group the majority of us are pretty yeah let's face it you have the odd indian who's like martial art experts but yeah there are a lot of indians who are just like yeah I don't know if, I'm sure we could do it, but it was rather not, you know, we'd rather delegate it. So I don't know what the point about this entire thing is, but there are a lot of sluggish Indians and doesn't make for good encounters with machines. Um, and I'm surprised because, you know, it's, I'm surprised whatever we do have in India, we still do have because it's such shitty um, approaches to getting stuff done when it comes to infrastructure. It's just like, yeah, I don't know. There's no pride in it. There's like, yeah, whereas, I mean, I'm not saying this India is everywhere. Like, where can we make the quickest fucking buck? And it's passed on, right? So someone wants to make a million, another way wants to make. So there's the pecking order, of course. So I don't know. I don't know. I really have no clue where I'm going with this. But I hope that lady is fine. But that led me to the thought of autonomous cars and autonomous driving. And I would never use it in India. I don't know. It's not about human error. Maybe actually, you know, I would use it in India. Wow, what a fucking U-turn. But, no pun intended, right? But, especially with the way the kind of human mind is getting fucked, I think, yeah, it's created by human beings, but it's created by the smart human beings, not the fucking average human being. And the average human being is going through a pretty shitty time and very volatile kind of experience. So you never know when they're going to suddenly flip and pull out a, you know, a tire wrench and smack you in the head. So maybe I'll take my chances with AI or autonomous uh, systems that drive cars because I think there's a lot of thought, a lot of safety, a lot of precaution and a lot of liability in that as opposed to some moron who's just like, oh, my, my wife, I got my wife fucking someone. I'm going to crash this car. And yeah. I think at least for a few more years, AI is not going to have issues with like, you know, divorce or like rage or cars or, 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 or like partner cheating on you or oh, I'm a transgender AI. I don't think any of those issues are anywhere in the, well, at least for the next year. You never know uh, the way it's going. You might be like, fuck AI, this fucking lesbian AI. Yeah, fucking LGBTQ AI. That's, is that an extension to LGBTQ? Because it's already LGBTQ plus I, it's already there, but maybe LGBTQ AI plus to the power of AI. Who knows? Yeah, but I think uh, I take my word back on the fact that I wouldn't trust it. I would trust it more than the present average human being, especially the present average human Indian driver who, eh, not very confident instilling in his or her skills. But at the same time, we get by because of maybe low speeds, bad roads, and good cars. That's a combination. Bunch of nut jobs everywhere in the world, but I live here and that's pretty much been my experience. And having said that, even someone like me, when I was 18, who couldn't see from the age of nine, who lost entire central vision with a little bit of peripheral vision, managed to fit in and drive. So 
you come to your own conclusion about the driving experience in India. On that note, let's talk about self-doubt and self-worth and expanding the consciousness to not be a limitation to yourself. And to do that, I've got my guest on today's episode, Mr. Mario Lanzarote. He joins me all the way from Cape Town as I make it a point to address up top. I don't know why I do that, but sometimes geography apparently just sounds cool as an adjective or I don't know, or a accompaniment. Mario Lanzarote is sitting in Australia in Cape Town. Just sounds better than Mario Lanzarote sitting at his desk. Who knows? But... Lovely chat with a lovely gentleman and we talk about some very interesting things that will make sense in your life as well. Well, if it doesn't, then change your life so that this stuff makes sense in your life. Make sense? Suppose so. But anyhow, lovely conversation coming your way only here on the Soapy Rao Show. As always, I appreciate you for tuning in every week for an episode. Till next time, goodbye, God bless, take care of yourselves. Cheers. Here's your conversation with Mario Lanzarote. Mr. Mario Lanzarotti, I hope I got that right. How are you, sir? <laughs> Thank you, Sandeep. Uh, I am uh, alive, abundant, and free. Fantastic. Living right now in Cape Town, I really like the uh, idea of how you live life, which is traveling around the world and doing what you do, which we'll, of course, talk about. But let me start with asking you something which has been playing on my mind on a personal front because it's a personal kind of journey I'm I've embarked on for the past two years. So what would you say is the difference between self-worth and self-doubt? Hmm. Interesting question. I've never been asked that before, so I appreciate that. The difference between self-worth mm-hmm. and self-doubt. Yeah. Both are an expression of the self, right? Of mm-hmm. the who you believe you are, your sense of identity. Now, mm-hmm. your self-worth is how much value you are adding to who you believe you are, the kind of in value that you carry inherently as, as a human being. Now, I would say this is different from if we bring in the spiritual context mm. of you being a spiritual being, having a human experience. Some people like to call it that way. And I think self-worth is often when you look in the mirror, what do you see? How much value do you attribute to what you see in the mirror, whether that is, and and a lot of people base it off their achievements. Mm. Now, self-doubt is a mental conversation, right? Mm. And in which your mind is trying to come up with a solution to a perceived problem. Mm -hmm. And it's very important that people understand that it's a conversation. It's not something that is real. Right. Mm. And it's really a conversation. And I guess we can then bring it back to self-worth because self-worth is also a conversation. Right. It's just like, okay, I'm I'm a worthy human being because I'm doing well in my job, I am doing well in my relationship, I'm doing well in my health. So it's 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 a mental construct that people come up with based on the conditioning that they have received from society. Mm-hmm. The reason I ask you is because a lot of times when you have made peace with the idea of self-worth, right? Because you mentioned the external validation or the achievements or the outcome-based system that we uh, use to reward our self-worth. The more we achieve, the more successful we are. We say we're we're worthy individuals. We're worthy of recognition. Um, 
But when you change that narrative to a more internal reward system, when you do things not because it's being recognized or being um, appreciated as valuable, but it's because it's something that makes you and your human experience more fulfilling, that when you change from the social conditioning to the internal value system of self-worth, mm. um, then um, do, do, you, do you think, because the, with both self-worth and self-doubt, when the entire approach is external, isn't that unhealthy? But at the same time, when you switch it to an internal um, dialogue between you uh, or a perceived dialogue or an internal uh, system of worth, isn't that transformative? That's a great point. Now, I would say that anything that is derived from external means is mm. unsustainable and unhealthy. It may mm. give you a temporary advantage or a, a temporary perceived advantage. Um, and, and it is very accepted by society. Now, mm. when we switch to an internal dialogue, I think we need to be very conscious of it because oftentimes for most people, the internal dialogue is directly influenced by the external dialogue. Mm, right? mm. What do people think about me becomes what I think about myself for a lot of people. And the conditioning that we receive when we grow up as children on our, on our way to becoming adults is really that that becomes often that internalized voice. I yeah. find that, there is a difference between external and internal in the sense of when we connect with our sense of being. Mm -hmm. When we, you know, someone, someone said this to me that God begins where language ends. Mm -hmm. God nice. begins where language, language ends because we have so many concepts of what is good, what is bad, what is right, what is wrong, mm. what we should do, what we shouldn't do. When we really drop into our sense of being, when we connect with our breath, when we connect with our feelings and we allow the mind to sort of quiet, to sort of calm down, then I find we find that really true essence within. And that just shuts down the self-doubt conversation, even the self-worth conversation where you need to find the reasons to as to why you are worthy. You will no longer require that. That's fantastic. There's another thing I heard, which I think is this uh, person called Larry Rosenberg. He's written a book called Breath. And in mm. that, there's another line which sounds uh, is, is a lot, resonates with what you just said. Basically, it says, let go, let God. Mm -hmm. You know, I found that yes. uh, quite a powerful thing because, you know, it, it's something which I've been reflecting on and it is quite a fascinating journey of... Um, Reflection, if you, for lack of a better word, because when you are in this space and you tell yourself, okay, whether it's what you're doing or even just being, the word being is is a word, but at the same time, when you actually feel it, as you just said, it's so much more different because it's the experience as opposed to these labels we put to existing, yeah. right? Whether we're living a good life, a healthy life, a moral life, etc., etc. But when it comes to these environments we immerse ourselves with where the majority of us are conditioned to a certain way of life to a certain way of uh, dealing with reward and failure etc these things um, which you just mentioned are so important to kind of live through because when you just say it as a thing that oh yeah you know what self-worth self-doubt yeah go ahead do it but it can easily get trapped by the same narrative and the same conditioning but when you're aware of what it actually does to you, 
it is, I think that's when the next step comes because otherwise it's so easy to even look at self-doubt and self-worth in the same outcome-based system where, you know, you don't do things because you appreciate the journey of enjoying it or learning from it or experiencing it, but you automatically apply, why am I not getting the outcome or I'm a failure because it's not a successful product? Mm. And um, how do you tell yourself because it's almost like a one step forward 10 steps back because everyone around you is being recognized for the amount of money they make or the 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 position that they have been graduated to or the promotion that they've been given but you are constantly telling yourself no it's reward is in the form of gratification it's about this experience as a human it's so difficult isn't it how how, how do you keep uh, if yourself kind of on that path that's a great question and and so I think there's a few aspects to this. Mm. First, I think it requires a very deep awareness of yourself, mm. an explorative process of, first of all, of recognizing why do you do what you do? Mm. And there's a model that I use in my coaching, and it's a very simple model um, that when you look at children, children come into the world whole and complete. They don't have a sense that something is missing about them. Mm. And that's because the egoic mind until the age of six or seven is not fully developed. So they're mm. very pure. You look at children, you know, they, they would just confidently walk out. They will just courageously do anything. They have no problem dancing butt naked on the table in front mm. of strangers. Yeah. And everyone will clap. And they're like, yeah. <laughs> you know, then you watch them as they become older. At some point, you know, they, they receive the conditioning that often is a well-meant conditioning from their parents. Like, mm. uh, be careful. Don't do that. You know, don't, don't mm -hmm. do stupid things. And they do that from their own experience, thinking that's going to help the child. And oftentimes, yeah. it does the opposite. So when, when you are a child, when you're young, at some point, there is an, a mental break from wholeness. There's a perceived loss of power. Usually in an event in which you have experienced a sense of failure. And I can share what it was for me. Mm. I remember still when I was in second grade in, uh, in school in Germany, I was mm. playing ball outside with the kids. And then all of a sudden, one of the girls stopped the game, picked up the ball, looked at me in front of the whole schoolyard and said, Mario, you cannot do that. That's against the rules. And in that moment, I felt so deeply ashamed and so pointed out that it was a, it was traumatic for me. It was a tiny thing that you might you know, might just skip over, but it was it, it locked itself into my DNA. And that that moment, I I made a decision. And you see, when we have a perceived sense of failure at that young age, the 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 mind wants to escape that, wants to cope with that pain. So it makes a decision. Here's what I'm going to do to make sure this will never happen again. And in that moment, what was born for me was the sense of I'm going to prove you wrong. I will show you how good I am. So instead, in, in fact, I went to the girl, picked the ball, took the ball back and said, this is my ball. I make the rules. I will show you. And so from that day onwards, this, this idea of I needed to prove myself because I'm not worthy was born. And so if I look my, at my life from that point onwards, I had to be the best at everything. I had to be the best looking, the fastest, the smartest, the most best dressed, whatever, you name it. And what that created in my life was a lot of success in the eyes of society, right? By the means of society, I was always looked at, oh, wow, you, you got the life. 
However, internally, what it did, it created a huge amount of disconnection because I couldn't relate anymore because I was always trying to get to, top, to the top and I was always denying myself until I got to the top. So it is this that happens that you have to understand why you do what you do. The reason I was striving for success for most of my life is because I was trying to come back to wholeness, to completeness, to that sense that I had as a child. And I thought that achieving success will bring me to that. So I was caught in this hamster wheel, right? And recognizing that allowed me to then to make conscious changes in my life, to say, I don't need to do this. I can do this if I want to do this, but I don't need to do this. You know, I, it helped me remove myself from the should life. The should life to me is a should, the should voice is a confusing combination of the advice you receive from the so-called experts. That could be your parents. It could be the books you read, whatever, right? It's distrusting your inherent nature within yourself. And so for me, that was the first time in my life when I recognized that and I brought all of that unconscious pattern up where I was like, okay, wow. Now I get what, I'm, what I was doing, and now I also get what the world is doing. And that's when I, for the first time, found peace in saying, I don't need to rush things. I don't need to do what they are doing. I, I'm going to do me, and me is going to take time. So th did that answer your question? Yes. Uh, More than answering my question, it kind of, it's, it's given me, you know, honestly, it's, it's, it's kind of like this, I don't know if the right what the right word is. It's 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 such a vibe of recognition. What what you just said. I see myself in you, and I see yourself in me in mm -hmm. some way. Um, for exactly that feeling, um, how it manifested, of course, to a large extent, is similar. But when for you had that when you felt you felt belittled. And put down and unworthy yeah. on the football field by that girl yeah. statement. For me, it was when I was nine, losing my eyesight overnight, or rather losing eighty percent of my eyesight overnight. Did the same thing. Um, it made me block out that experience. But what was left over was this sense that you're not good enough. And you have to keep proving yourself to others. Um, how I went about it is very different from what you did. But till about 2020, it was the way I lived life. It was uh, this sense of blame, shame, guilt, and fear, where right. you are blaming someone because you're that, you're this, you're ashamed of who you are, you're guilty because you have these thoughts and you're afraid of what the reality holds and who you are really. Exactly. And that, 2020 time was a big thing of what you just said. It's why am I doing what I'm doing? Because when I did stand up, it was not because I enjoyed the jokes and telling of them and getting the laughter, but it became more about being better than. And I think the biggest yes. thing when the realization was when the way I looked at life is when someone did well, I didn't look at it as someone did well. I looked at it as, as you did badly as an mm. I did badly. And that was my narrative. I was envious. The moment someone said, you know, Sandeep, you're funny. It was, oh, but you're not as funny as, or mm. you could be less funny. Right. So I think that, that kind of um, system was what I kind of lived by. And it, it just sort of 
tore me apart towards 2019, 2020. Like it was, uh, and the reason I'm mentioning this because people who've listened have probably heard this before and they're like, can you move on? And <laughs> But it really sort of struck a chord with what you just said because you're constantly... I mean, and yeah, others will go about their business, but you are constantly miserable because you're, the message you're telling yourself is, okay, you proved yourself right, you're better than, but then the next thing comes along, you're like, even in this endeavor, so it becomes something as yeah. maybe in work, maybe in love, maybe in relationships, but when does it end? You're sitting in yeah. bed and you want to be better than some. you know what I mean? It's just, it's just yeah. such a, it's just such a tiring experience and it's, you know, I thanks for sharing that because it really resonated with uh, a deep part of myself as well and telling the, the the truth about how doing something because you want to win, it's not because of anything else. It's such a it's it's such a difficult thing to appreciate, especially when you're coming from this way of looking at life and thinking, right? Yeah. This is a huge topic because you know, I, I work with high achievers, people like yourself, people that are goal-driven, people that want to create something in the world. And every high achiever that comes to me that hasn't yet done the inner work, mm -hmm. I can tell them, it's like the reason you're doing what you're doing is because you're in pain. Mm -hmm. It's because you're still trying to make up for something that happened in the past. And most people, when they hear that, they don't want to accept that. They're like, what do you mean? I'm doing it because I love what I'm doing. It's like, yeah, you might be enjoying parts of what you're doing, but just by listening, you know, and, and, and this is for your audience as well. If you have a tendency to talk in terms of I should, I must, or I need to do this, then it's a very high chance that you are being driven by this force in your life that is deficiency motivation, that is pain, that is once I'll get here, I will feel better. You know, but just like you said, it just never ends. So it's not sustainable. It creates results in, in a short term. My, and short term might be a couple of years, but to me, I look at life long term. I look at creating generational wealth and impact, not just over a course of three, four, five years. And that's all about the hustle. That's why, you know, mm. the, the hustle to me, more and more, and I still have parts in me that are rooted in the hustle, Yeah. but I've shifted a lot away from it because I'm seeing that hustle is all about fear and pain. It's about, it's about you know, good dog, bad dog. It's about punishment. Mm. And using punishment as a means to drive you forward in life. And and until now, our entire society is built that way. Media, economics, even religion. Even religion is built that way. Yeah. It's always about using fear as a means to achieve an objective. And that just is completely destructive in the long run. You'll really like a lecture by Osho called Take It Easy. And in mm. that, he interprets one of the um, disciples of Buddha. He's written a text, and in that this uh, in in that lecture, Osho breaks it down. And there's something which he says, which really just and you know sort of captures what you just said. In it basically says there is no goal, and the moment you say that, then everything makes sense because everything that we live by in today's society is goal oriented. If you're going towards yeah. a goal, you're good. If you're away from a goal, you're bad. If you're um, if, if you are abiding by the goal, which is religion, then you're a good human being. If you're breaking, if you're sinning, then you're bad. You're a sinner or a saint. You're a good person or a bad. You're successful right. or failed. And it's it's an amazingly powerful thought to say there is no goal because then you're doing it because you enjoy it, not for uh, or against something, you know, which is... And, and I want to ask you, um, when, when, when you see people uh, in this space working 
from the space of pain or from the space of proving someone externally wrong or right how much um how many people like because in my experience i i noticed a lot of coping mechanisms right uh, whether it's alcohol or whether it's it's other kinds of things whether sure. it's some people use exercise some people use social media some people use very everything can be a coping mechanism if you don't uh, if you're not aware of it but uh, how how much of it um, i mean how much of the people you see are doing things because because we hear the word pursuing your passion we hear these things easily being thrown around now but how much in reality is coming from a place of thorough uh, appreciation for what they're doing and the experience as opposed to using these things as coping mechanisms yeah great question and i'm yet to meet a person that ha- that doesn't do that you know and 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 i've done i've done over a decade of inner work and mm. there's still parts of me that i catch sometimes where i'm like okay this, this is definitely a coping mechanism right mm. i'm, I'm trying running away from something here and i've learned also to to accept that yeah. to not make that wrong because that just creates more resistance that creates more internal battle with yourself and it just makes the whole thing more difficult but i'd say everyone everyone to a degree does it and in in it's what's what's really sad in a way is that it's so normalized mm. if you look at look at alcohol and porn it's al- alcohol in in most countries in the world is normalized to the degree that children even children have access to it mm. and say so, oh that's okay you know let's have a beer you know let's have a glass of wine you know and like in germany the age for drinking is 16. Mm. but then when you bring in for instance uh, marijuana it's demonized yeah, and it's like yeah. it's bad and 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 porn porn is 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 accepted as such such a normal thing it's like oh yeah okay not a big deal but it's detrimental to you as a human being and it destroys relationships absolutely destroys them you know and i and i've yesterday i had this conversation with my fiance and i said porn makes men weak and i say why this would from you say personal that experience. i say this from Be- personal experience because yeah. no, i i'm asking from the same place where you're coming from because it's something which was so you had to aspire to watch porn like you were the cool guy when you had yeah. the dirty magazine in yeah. school i mean with the, i grew up yeah. at a time before the internet so i still remember in i think 97 98 when we had the first floppy disk which is probably the wrong word to use when you're talking about phone uh but talking about <laughs> porn <laughs> but you know the small floppies are not the big oh again i make it worse <laughs> but i remember the entire class shared it like all the guys and we we're like oh man and why is it uh such a culture across cultures like owning a penthouse or a playboy or whatever it is now a subscription yeah. to you porn or porn hub or whatever why is it such a masculine um uh, like initiation to watch porn or be a part of a pornographic or pornographic conversation or whatever the 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 the, the situation uh creates like the camaraderie or whatever the thing may be yeah yeah be- i mean one is because the 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 unhealthy masculine side of mm. of of the men of the man mm. is all about dominance it's about power it's about control and it's about control when we ask controlling what it's controlling the feminine now that doesn't just mm. mean women it also means within ourselves because mm. what's the what's the female part in a in a man it's 
softness, it's emotion, it's vulnerability, it's authenticity, mm. it's truth. It's it's softening into yourself. Now, in society, that still is largely viewed as a weakness. Like mm. a man is supposed to be strong, is supposed to be dominating, controlling. And so we, when we look at how we relate to women, there is that same behavior that men have towards themselves. Now, w why do most, most men reach for porn? Is because it's a coping mechanism, right? That's when you when you masturbate and, and, and you watch porn, there's a release, there's a big release because the sexual energies are extremely strong. They're the strongest forces that are within a human body. Mm. And so that release is so addictive and it's now so readily available. Now, what gets destroyed in that is the control, the real control that a man can have over himself over his emotions. Because if you cannot have mastery within yourself, you become a slave and you become manipulative, uh, manipulated by outside forces. You know, just, mm -hmm. just take this. I strongly believe, and some men or women might see this other, uh, in, in other ways, and that's okay. I strongly believe that in order for you to build your own legacy, to build something that you really inherently put your passion your 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 creativity into it something that you really love enjoying requires consistency and it requires dedication in the long run now most men are distracted by their sexual urges on a daily basis on a mm. daily basis and what that really is is the, a lack of inner mastery so porn is just the easiest way to distract you ongoingly and it creates these images of how sex is supposed to be with a woman which is completely completely distorted it doesn't have to do anything with the reality and it just it portrays women not just women but also the 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 as i said the female part that we have inside of us as as an object as like a machine as like you can use it whenever like men are abusing their own emotions right and this works this way you know you become stressed you become you, you feel anxious and you like, don't have time for that not now. So you push it to the side, push it to the side. And that same pushing is happening in relationships, right? So it's just an all over detrimental effect to men and to society at large. But wouldn't, to, to sort of play the contrarian here, mm -hmm. wouldn't it be, isn't it healthier to just go masturbate than go bother women or go to a prostitute or whatever it may be, right? Someone would argue that isn't it just better you're being done with, you're not bothering anyone? I'm just playing devil's advocate here. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Good point. And 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 sure, you could say that. I yeah. could I could find truth in that. Where it's like you know, it's better to have that than have a lot of men run around and and like you say, bother women or attack women or you know yeah. whatever. They go down even darker paths. Sure thing. However, I believe that we as a society we need to hold ourselves to high high moral and ethical standards. It's like. This conversation of, oh, but it's better than that, you know, I think it's a very weak conversation and it's a conversation that just creates a lot of mediocre ways of living life. And I find it's, a it's, it's disrespectful to our human nature because we as human beings are inherently powerful. We're limitless in what we can experience, can do, can achieve, can create. Yet so many people in the world are operating on a fraction of that potential because they're so distracted from their true essence. 
So you're, you're, you're saying it's okay for a human being to express their sexual energy through masturbation if they can't get the intimacy sure. of sex, but not to pornography is what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, look, look everything is okay. Mm. I'm not here going to be uh, launching a campaign against uh, porn and say everyone who watches porn is wrong, is bad. That's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, religion, of course. Right? right? Yeah. If that's what you're doing, then, you know, be at peace with it. Yeah. However, recognize what this is doing to you. This is mm. not me preaching from, you know, everybody should stop watching. It's like, do your thing. I'm yeah. all about freedom. That's why my title is called The Freedom Architect. And yeah. if that's what you choose, and at the same time, I'm challenging you. I'm challenging you, whoever you are listening to this, is like, take a look. Why do you do it? You know, what mm. is it What is it that this, this is giving you that you cannot get? And people will say, oh, I don't have a partner. I don't have the sex or I have partner and the sex with my partner is boring, you know, whatever. And I'd say that's exactly it. You know, there's even the sex gives you something, gives you a feeling, gives you a positive emotion. And you don't have the mastery to find it within yourself to connect to that emotion, which is always present all the time within you. Mm. No, that I, that makes that makes a lot of sense because it is a distraction, just like a, like the, the, the looking at your phone looking at looking for a cigarette or whatever it may be it is giving you that release right yeah yeah hmm you know i i find i find this you know this 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 more and more so when things are too comfortable and easy um i find it it, it ties in with what you just said about living to a very fraction of our potential you know fraction of the percentage to our potential because of all these distractions we've sort of introduced into our lives and you know in the guise of advancement and progress whether it's technology whether it's you know the the way we kind of look at our houses the 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 luxury that we've introduced with the conveniences and all these things it seems like the the the, the life that is too good and too easy is in fact bad for us is in fact not bad in the again it's the word bad which we've kind of been but is is not is not conducive for our human experience being fulfilled is is that true would you say yeah yeah so so here's the thing i would say everything in life serves a purpose mm. everything and and for me, what I ask myself now where I'm at is what serves me in elevating towards a higher level of consciousness, towards a higher level of an expression of myself. And yeah. so you, in the beginning, you, you, you were started with, you know, when things are too easy, when they're too comfortable. And I agree partially to, you know, and then you, we brought in the word, the, the whole notion of the language, the construct of language. And mm. at the point where I'm at in my life right now, Mm. I make things easy. I focus on making them easy. I focus on making them effortless. And, I, and the reason I do this now for me, this works for me, is because I've made my life very hard and challenging before. I was looking for the next challenge, the next mountain to climb, you know. And I find that the solution to an expression, the highest expression of yourself, is really to be that which you are looking for. Now, I'll give you an example. Most entrepreneurs, when they when I ask them that question, they think of money, right? Okay, yeah. I want to be a multimillionaire, you know, um, whatever currency you're at. I want to make a lot of money. 
and I yeah. want to help a lot of people. Now, that is based on results, right? And those results will give you something. They will help you be, feel something. What yeah. is that? Like I ask people this question because a lot of entrepreneurs, when they come to me, they want more freedom, right? That's that's really, really why. And I said to yeah. them, okay, what is freedom? And then they start coming up with like, yeah, when well, I can do this and I can do that, and I can do this. And it's like, great. So now tell me what is freedom without using words? And they're like, what? And then there's a whole lot of confusion. So yeah, show me what is freedom without using words. So then at some point they start getting it and they start embodying that freedom. What does it look like? For most people, this is what it looks like. Ah, breathing, finally. Saying, ah, for right. Or for some people, it's like, yes, you know, it's that. And I say, see, this is the person you want to be. You're just waiting for the money or the impact to give you permission to do that. But you see, mm. when you do this, when you do the being part, you are already embodying that which you actually wanted all the time. Now, for some of you, the hard part will be doing this when you're with other people because you think, oh, I'm, 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 this, I'm weird. You know, this is silly. People will, my, my parents will say, why are you so relaxed? You know, you're, you're barely making any money. How can you be so peaceful? I had this conversation with someone, uh, someone close to me. And I remember he was getting really upset about the uh, the economy mm. and how things were. And it's just like angry, you know, it's like, oh, we got to do something. And, ah, ah. and I'm, I'm just sitting there, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm smiling, you know, very calm. And he just looks at me, he's like, you're such a pacifist. Like you, nothing really bothers you, really, does it? And I'm like, barely anymore, not a lot of things. And it's like, mm. yeah, but why? You know, you just got to be, you got to be angry about these things. So why would I be angry? Anger mm. doesn't change anything. Anger just makes me bitter and it just yeah. makes me incapable of being powerful. And so that's the whole thing. You see, for a lot of people, when they come into circles, they are afraid of being really happy or being really at peace. So they dim their own light. But really, and that's where the challenges then are. But really, if you want to elevate higher, it's about being that which you think we will get from once you achieve the thing. And that will elevate your life in ways that you cannot even comprehend. That is quite remarkable because the, 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 the place where that question came from, that thought came from is my wife and I had this conversation the other day. Uh, so we live in 2022 India, which is yeah. kind of, just exploding right with investing yeah. investments and with with markets which were previously untapped and were a consumer consumers gold mine right for people yeah. who are looking and things so the conversation in india is a lot about money is a lot about millionaires billionaires unicorns like startups and especially where i live bangalore mm -hmm. is a huge hub for tech and tech startups and fintech and all these things that you hear when it comes to money yeah. right and as an as as a comedian and also as a podcaster and my wife runs a sustainable e-commerce platform we were just talking because like lexi europe is a country rich in uh, its own regional language and culture right unlike uh, say the us where everyone predominantly speaks one language here you've got right. a lot of regional um, sort of cultural kind of highlights and people hold on to that and English does unite it 
to some extent. But in India, that's again the case. We have multiple states, multiple languages, and English is, of course, been around for many years. But now there is this sort of resurgence, or rather, this this kind of holding on to my regional pride and language. Mm. I'm just giving you a little bit of context. Sorry. Mm. So my wife and I were just like, you know what? This new India is is is. It's like what you said. You know, it's what what you were aspiring for right you want to be the best you want to have the luxuries you want to get the best cars the best clothes the best brands and they are of course going to be like great market let's go to india but so my wife and i are not we're not saying that that is bad and we can we, we, we condemn that kind of thing but it's just that we are in a different phase in our life where we want to genuinely appreciate it but at the same time we get caught up with that we're not making money we're not successful in right. our ventures right i mean i don't want to speak on our her behalf but this was what the conversation's about and then the the thing that led to this question which i asked you is she said are we too comfortable where we are because we're mm. we're staying with my parents we have a, we have a good life we're not from paycheck to paycheck we're not worrying about um everything's really good like we can go on holiday when we want we have our, our each we each, each have our own car our child has everything our baby who i mean she's only 4 months but she's taken care of so i'm like do we need to get out of this comfort zone to reach our true potential so our individual forms of expression which we've chosen in our life in her case her business in my case my podcast or stand up whatever it may be mm-hmm. finds its true ultimate expression because yeah. is this kind of nipping us in the bud because we're so comfortable that's where i came from yeah 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 great great point and and, and what i would say to that is first and foremost is be real with yourself it's like yeah. why do you want that right yeah, yeah. do you do you want to is it coming from a genuine place of inspiration where mm. you're like i i feel there's so much more inside of me that i want to connect with that i want to unleash that i want to see what's there and if that's there if if it's a that's a genuine yes that you want to do that then absolutely go for it yeah. and then it will be uncomfortable most likely yes because your mind is going to come in and tell you all kinds of stories based on the conservation of your current level of identity. You know, Sunday 2.0 is going to say, bro, Sunday 3.0, no, 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 no. Way too dangerous up here. You know, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what that's going to look like. So Sunday yeah. 2.0 is going to say that. Yeah. And then it's your job to to bring in a loving awareness that allows you to transcend that. So it's not mm-hmm. this beating yourself into a pub. So come on, bitch, just work yeah. hard, play hard. Just go for it, you know. Yeah. But if it's a if if the answer to your question is, you know what? Actually, no. I think this is coming from me reading those books where everyone is telling you you got to push yourself, you got to go for it, and you know. But if I'm really honest, I'm very happy where I am. Then stay there, you know. Then yeah. it's not it's not a that's where the whole notion of self development comes in. And I find yeah. that self development is often ego development, and it doesn't really serve your own freedom your own peace of mind your own fulfillment yeah, absolutely i think what you just said is something that really struck uh struck me as the reality of the way we again i'm thinking because the external doesn't is, is seeming not to work right because i'm not getting those um uh, right. those 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 wins that society hails as success or as a project well concluded yeah. or a thing on the right yeah. path like you know people say yeah. you're on the right path you're doing it great it's one of those things if the environment is not working for you you get out of there and 
under the guise of, oh, I need to find my true potential, right? <laughs> and it, it's perfect. What you just said is like, if you, why should you be hard on yourself if you are enjoying life? Because you're told that if something is good and it, you're enjoying it, then it's bad that you aren't mm-hmm. working hard enough, right? So you have right. to go to a one bedroom. Like if I'm doing well in Bangalore, well, that's not good enough because you need to be doing well in New York. You need to be doing well in LA. You need to be right. selling out arenas at Madison Square Garden. Like that is the constant thing, right? It's like, as you said, 2.0, 3.0. If an individual yeah. is doing well at say company A, they're like, no, but it's not, It's not. you're not doing well at Apple. You're not doing well at Google. You need to go to that. Right. And and I love that line you said, it's ego development, not self-development, because that is such a true thing that happens. When your ego gets stronger, you are telling yourself that it is self-growth, but it's actually yeah. um, hurting yourself because you're making your way of looking at this experience more rigid and more fragile and and, and much more kind of brittle, right? Yeah, yeah, to- totally. And, you know, you brought up a good point. It's like, the, re- the often what I see is this this drive for more is coming mm-hmm. from this initial sensation that we described this loss of power where you develop this idea that you need to prove yourself. Mm-hmm. So your need to prove yourself is what is t- saying often, oh, there's more of my potential. You know, mm-hmm. let me go to Apple, let me go to Google, let me go this right. And when I discovered this, I actually discovered this last year in November when I was in Peru in the Amazon jungle with for a week with shamans there. I was drinking ayahuasca and I had been doing quite a lot of work in the plant medicine world before. Mm-hmm. And I re- realized that even in that, there it was my ego that was driving it, that my ego was driving me to say, okay, I need to drink another ayahuasca in the mountains in Peru with mm. the shamans to make it even harder, to make it even more reach into the depth of your psyche to bring out another thing that's right here so that I can take that, go back to my communities and say, I have done this. I uh, am the master. I, I think that, 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 <laughs> that, that, that the thing that you just said is called, um, it's, people have given it a thing. It's called spirit, spiritual materialism, where even in your spiritual mm. seeking, you apply these material yes. things. I've done yes. eight ayahuascas. How many have you exactly. done? Right? <laughs> exactly. And it was yeah. that for me. And, you know, and, and, and I recognized on one of the days of the ceremony, I was lying, you know, I was going through the dark night of the soul, as they call it. I was mm. really struggling. And then all of a sudden, I had a moment where in my mind, there was just one thing. Jesus. Mm. Now, you need to know this about me to bring some context into this. I am not a religious person. Whenever yeah. people would mention religion to me, I'd be like, Ugh. I've mm. never studied Jesus in my life. I know a few facts here and there a little bit, but I've never actually read about it or gone, gone into it. So this coming into my mind with such an intensity was was profound for me. And instantly, I went from panicking and, and anxiety to absolute bliss and peace in a split second Hmm. and the message that i got was so clear that i cut the experience from two weeks in the jungle to one week in the jungle and we went back home the Hmm. message was very simple it was like stop seeking be the change be that which you want to see and to Hmm. me that's what i'm doing now i'm being peace i'm being love and i'm removing all the notion that i that i need to become better See, this, the personal development world will say, sell you this notion 
that will keep you trapped forever. You need to be become the best version of yourself. See, this is bullshit. Yeah. There, there is no best version of yourself. Yeah. There's all there's always who you are being right now, right here. And if you can make peace with that version, then you're already there. See, then you're accessing the highest consciousness. And that's an instant. You don't need to go to this path of living the perfect life, living the devout perfect life, never sinning, never doing this, never doing that. No, it's just, it's really yeah. just being that. Because that leads you from one self-help book to another or from one exactly. ashram to another or from one exactly. meditation camp to another. It's the yeah. same thing of buying you know, oh, wait, wait a second. You don't have the iPhone 14. What the fuck's wrong with you? Like, come on, you need the <laughs> iPhone 14 Pro, bro. It's, right. it's, yeah, it's absolutely the same thing. And um, I want to ask you one thing, which is I, I find very um, interesting. Let's put it that way, because you said this best version of yourself. I agree with you. I think this is a constant thing to keep you keep you down saying, hey, come on, you, you you meditate for five minutes. You know what? There's an app that shows you how to meditate for one hour. But you know what? The Buddha, he meditated for 40 years. You know, right. it's, it's this constant thing, which is unattainable because you'll yeah. never, you can never live the Buddha's experience because that was his experience or whatever the thing is. But this this thing of being the change or being what you are with all of it, right? Whether yeah. we call good or bad, but it, all of it, it's your experience, yeah. which is truly yours, right? How does um, this idea of doubt, because it's something you speak about in your talk, and mm -hmm. I think it's a very powerful tool if it's applied, like anxiety, I think it's a great way to uh, explore within yourself. Um, why is doubt such a... I think innately human experience because I don't see too many elephants or dogs or any wild animal, uh, other wild animal having doubt, right? A tiger's like, should I eat that? Because I don't know about my, you know, is it good for my weight kind of thing, right? <laughs> lifestyle. Is this lifestyle good for me? I don't know. Maybe I should be more moral. Like this idea of doubt is quite, I think, uniquely human. So yeah. why is it that in this entire endeavor to become the best versions of humanity? Why have we not conquered doubt? And why does it still persist? But more importantly, why is it good for us? Yeah, great, great questions. So first I'll start with, you know, I love what you brought up the example with the tiger. The tiger. <laughs> apparently, sorry, because apparently in my previous life, uh, I went to a Buddhist uh, Rinpoche in uh, Tibet. Sorry, not Tibet, in Bhutan. And he said in my previous life, I was a tiger. So I've been really uh, <laughs> interested about tigers <laughs> in case some relative of mine is out there. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I don't think that you would have that discussion with yourselves. Like, should I go for that? <laughs> should I be your vegan? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, yeah. No, I'm going to fast for a week and then I'll go for it. You know? Maybe, so, yeah. <laughs> And animals, and, and, and that's why you see what you see in nature, for instance, with animals when, and, and trauma. Mm. So every, every living being can experience trauma. For instance, mm. if you see in nature documentaries, when a tiger or a lion or whatever, a big cat attacks an animal, but they do not capture it, the animal then managed to escape. What often happens is because of that impact, that trauma that was created in the moment, the animal will go into shaking. It will mm. shake it out of the body. It will shake it out of the system. It will do that immediately. 
But human beings, we have not learned to do that. So what do we do? We store the trauma for the rest of our lives, right? Something happens when you're a childhood, you know, you're on the, you know, the girl takes away the ball. All of a sudden, what I'm, what I've experienced was deep shame and, and, and fear. And I don't go and shake it out, shake it out, scream it out, breathe it out, release it. No, I hold it because mm. I don't know what's happening. So, and that's because animals don't have this egoic conception of themselves. They are one with nature. You know, we are we are also nature, but we've just forgotten that we're one with nature. And so that in itself, the egoic nature of our mind creates the doubt because mm. the ego is based in separation. You know, I'm over here. This is over there. Okay, so what do I do to shorten the distance? You know, and that often is perceived as the problem, as the challenge, as the mission or whatever. And so mm. the doubt comes in thinking as an expression of something is wrong. Like the ego always makes things wrong. Mm. So it's like the doubt is an expression of that in order to solve that. Now, what I often see in the personal development field is people then go into analyzing the doubt. They go mm. into, okay, they come up with, you know, certain affirmations. You know, they, they, the doubt is coming, then they feel the anxiety. They're like, well, I'm good, I'm healthy, I'm good, I'm successful, and blah, 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 all of that stuff. What I've come to learn is that everything in life, in, in my perspective, in my experience, is divine. Everything. Because this divine thing, call it God, Source, Spirit, Allah, Buddha, Jesus, Krishna, I don't care, has created this world. And it creates from a place of love. Mm. And so for me, everything comes from that divine source, even the doubt. So what, I, what I've done is I've reframed the doubt for myself and I say, okay, this is really just a reminder. It's just an invitation to say, okay, your self-love tank, your sense of, of you feeling safe within yourself is empty, is running low. So mm. when the doubt comes, instead of trying to get rid of it or trying to fight it, is to embrace it, is to, is to pretend that, oh, this is here to serve me. Oh, this is here to help me. This is here to aid me. So what I do in that moment is, first of all, I breathe. I breathe. I get out of the mind. I don't try to come up with a mind solution. I get into the body and I go. And I give myself a sense of comfort because I know there's a part of me that is scared. And so I don't go into, and this is the same thing how people act with children. When you often have a child that comes and says, daddy, 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 you know, I failed the test. I failed the test, you know. <laughs> Oftentimes what we do is like, uh, don't worry about it. Don't worry. Do not worry. So we're now we're denying the experience of the child. Mm. Next time it will be better. You can learn from this. Mm. So, so we're already putting this into the future instead of saying, hey, that's okay. How do you feel? Feel scared? That's okay to feel that way. I get mm. why you're feeling that way. It's okay. And I love you either way. That's mm. those are the words, words of, of the this divine source. Whatever ha whatever happens to you, oh, it's okay. I love you either way. It's perfect. And so I've used that to come up with a construct, a very practical way to get people back into their being so that they don't have to try to fight with their doubt, try to overcome doubt. Because as long as you're living this human experience, Fear and doubt will be a part of your life. That's it. That's I think it's such a beautiful thing to recognize that we have it uh, in us to release these traumas 
but we don't because of how we'll be perceived uh, if you cry when you're upset or when someone yeah. hurts you whether it's in some way physically emotionally it's like don't show it don't show it because you know what that's weakness you're not a man a man doesn't cry and um all those things but i mean it's physical like you hold on to it like you have all these diseases now in society you have i mean i know personally with i went to a person who kind of physically helped me release things that i didn't know i had didn't know i was holding on to like in in the way i was standing the way i was walking the way my neck and my jaw was set i mean these are things which once it's gone it's like holy shit <laughs> exactly. i didn't know i had this yeah it's crazy but oh it's fantastic mario like the, the way you're using what you've uh, been through and what sort of set you on that path in your life to i mean it's not easy you know these things are a part of your experience here and it's not i mean in some way has com- completion or an end goal is not something which you might look at in when, when you look at this journey but the way you've kind of taken it and are helping people is truly fantastic so thanks so much for uh doing this today and sharing uh what you did because it isn't easy and i i know from experience how hard it is to talk about it without coming across as you know what i went through this i've had it tougher than you you know and it's it, it's very difficult to do this without the ego kind of dictating the narrative so really appreciate you sharing what you have and uh the work you do to help people and if anyone listening right now is interested uh to reach out to you or to follow the work you do how can they do that Absolutely. Thank you Sandeep for first of all for having me on the show. I really enjoy this conversation. You know, you ask some very powerful and and, and distinct questions and just, that just shows that you have also done a lot of the inner work and that you are walking the talk. And I'd say whoever wants to connect, my invitation first and foremost is to look at the TED, TEDx talk that I have on self-doubt on YouTube, which mm-hmm. you know, just type in my name Mario Lanzarotti and you will find it. And other than that, LinkedIn, Instagram, I'm quite active on these platforms. So so uh, I'm also on Twitter. Um, reach out to me, connect me. And if you do, let me know what part of this conversation stood out. You know, what is it that you loved about the conversation that Sundeep and myself had and, 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 and why? I would love to know. Yeah, when in doubt, there's Mario. <laughs> <laughs> when in doubt, reach out. When in doubt, reach out and of course I'll link your video and um great stuff. Really appreciate it and keep up um it's a keep up that's another way, right? Keep up the good work. But I would actually <laughs> want to say keep um keep looking within. I think that's something which I think it really gives each other strength, you know? Yeah. Uh when each of us kind of just mind our own mind. as opposed yeah. to poking our minds into other minds. <laughs> yeah. I like that. I like that. Fantastic. Thank you Mario. I appreciate it, my friend. Thank you Sandeep. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you like what you heard, please do check out the other episodes on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. And I would much appreciate it if you could like the video, share it with people who you think might enjoy it, and of course, do subscribe to the channel because it will help me and the podcast grow and reach more people just like you. So thanks again. Appreciate it.